Welcome to the Sinners Extra Podcast, powered by the Oklahoma. And I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here high above Owen Field, uh, joined by columnist Barry Trammell after Oklahoma uh, put a put a hurting on Oklahoma State. Barry, 41 to 13, did a little bit of everything, but uh, really got after uh, Oklahoma State defensively uh, from the start, set the tone and uh, won Bedlam yet again and uh, put themselves not quite in control of their own destiny, but really, really close uh, here with two games to go in the regular season. Yeah, I thought it was a commanding performance. Uh, game was a little bit like I thought it might be. If you take away the Sooners' explosive start, they scored 20 po- 21 points in the first nine minutes, two long drives, uh, then get a, a short touchdown drive off a turnover. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys have barely got their shoulder pads strapped on and they're down 21 zip. This is not Mason Rudolph and James Washington. Um, this is not the, this is not the 2018 Oklahoma D or oh, the 2018 Oklahoma defense coming back from a 21, nothing hole from this OSU offense against this OU defense, not likely to happen. And it didn't happen. Sooners in command the whole way. Yeah, it was going to be really difficult for OSU to come back after that big start, but uh, they did make a, a pretty good effort at it. Um, you know, uh, cut severely into the lead there uh, after uh, really a, a dumb penalty. No other way to put it by by Brendan Radley Hiles uh, after OU had got a big third down stop, and it looks like. They're either going to force OSU to, to kick a field goal, which is what you figure they're going to do that early in the game there, or uh, go for it on fourth and eight from uh, the OU 29. Instead, uh, Riley Hiles gets called for basically taunting an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. OSU is able to score. And then from really that point on uh, until we get to the late in the third, early in the fourth quarter, OU's offense uh, had some trouble moving the ball, especially on the ground. Their running game was almost non-existent in the second quarter. What was it? I think five yards rushing uh, there in the second quarter. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, TJ Pledger, those guys had problems moving against Oklahoma State's uh, defense. But Oklahoma's defense uh, was really able to bow up there Yes, OSU got that touchdown. Then they got a couple of second-quarter field goals, too. But uh, in the second half, the drives, uh, punt, 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 and then a a stop on downs there at the very end to to finally end the game. So just a really impressive uh, performance from this Sooners defense. Yeah, it it was. And, you know, even when – you know, Spencer Sanders from the get goes under the gun, gets a grounding, potential grounding penalty to start with, and um, gets whacked pretty good on a, on a scramble and has to leave the game. And um, but even even when he's in the game, you know, the Cowboy offense was not was not doing much. And the the thing is impressive to me is. Um, OSU's got good receivers, including a great receiver in Tylen Wallace, and nobody's out there running around free. Um, everything OSU got came fairly difficult, and 
you know, they, they made some catches and made a few plays. OSU did, but for the most part, you know, OU covered them really well. So to me, that's a good sign. So I, I liked what I saw out of this OSU, this uh, OU defense. It's not for sure, you know, that it's we. I'm, I'm still not ready to call it a a uh, an elite defense or even a championship defense. This OSU offense is not vintage. What we've seen from from Mike Gundy's team year after year after year, but it was very very solid tonight, and uh, really put the kibosh on the Cowboys' hopes of, of contending in this game. Yeah, you know, we've talked so much this year about OU's front seven and their pressure that they can put on you, and we saw that pressure from the very start. Like I mentioned, Ronnie Perkins with the uh, the, the sack on the very first play of the game, sack slash intentional grounding. Ronnie Perkins then hits a puts a big hit later in the first quarter on Spencer Sanders that knocks him out until the fourth quarter. But it was the, the back end, and it was, uh, you know, Trey Brown uh, did a solid job on Tylen Wallace, but, you know, really outside of the penalty, Brendan Radley-Hiles played pretty well. Uh, they, they got D.J. Graham uh, involved, especially without uh, Jaden Davis there uh, tonight uh, due to injury. Uh, Woody Washington, I thought, uh, played well. So uh, it was an across-the-board uh, solid strong defensive performance from the Sooners to hold OSU to less than 250 yards of total offense. Yes, and um, I, th- I thought, uh, you know, OSU hadn't been running great, but Chuba Hubbard's a really good back, and he broke one, a 29-yarder. He can hurt you. L.D. Brown has proven that he's, a, uh, you know, a really good back, and uh, they really didn't let much get going on the, uh, on the running game, and um, – you know, to me, it was just – it was very – sort of a dominant performance. At the end of the game, Cowboys get down to the inside the five-yard line, first and goal, and, and Sooners turn them back. More of a pride thing. The game was over. So, just nice, nice defensive game. And, you know, OU's moving up the ladder. And this OU defense is now um, – it's not as good as 2015, but – it's probably the best defense since 2015 when OU won the Big 12 and, and had the Big 12's best defense. OU's won the last four Big 12 titles with not the league's best def- defense, did it one time with the league's worst defense. This this defense is moving up the ladder pretty quickly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where this defense falls, Barry, on your efficiency rankings uh, there with what they did today with uh, – now, let's see, what was it, 12 Oklahoma State drives, although uh, uh, one of them was just 34 seconds to end the half, but 11 full drives uh, there to hold them to a touchdown, two field goals. Uh, that's pretty impressive, uh, even if, like you said, the Cowboys certainly don't have a, a vintage offense, but they've still got the, two of the best players in the country over there in Tylen Wallace and, and Shuba Hubbard, and they were able to uh, – slow those guys down yes um you know this this osu offense is predicated on uh playmakers a couple in particular and if you if you don't want tylen wallace beat you if you don't want chuba hubbard beat you and particularly tylen wallace 
Cowboys probably not going to beat you. Uh, their, their, their plan B and plan C is not much of a plan. So I, I think Titan Wallace had 10 targets. They threw him the ball 10 times tonight. Well, let's count it 11 because one was an, a penalty. And he had four catches plus the penalty. So um, that's, ex- that's excellent efficiency. Trey Brown, I thought, played well, uh, did a lot of the covering. And just a good, you know, just a good, solid defensive effort by this team that, you know, when we first saw them uh, in Big 12 play back September 26th, they got torched by a Kansas State offense that's not all that special. And they, they weren't getting torched today. Yeah, it, it, they uh, certainly a much better performance today. And uh, joined now by Jenny Carlson. And it, uh, Jenny, we we're just talking about the um, evolution of this OU defense and what they become and uh, the, the job they did today, just getting after uh, is, is Spencer Sanders and uh, Shane Ellingworth and, and really everybody on that OSU uh, offense today. How much better do you feel like this defense is now versus, uh, you know, in late September, early October when they lost those two games? I mean, I think it's pretty remarkable, <clears throat> the, uh, the transformation we've seen. I mean, I think you've got you to start up front with the, the pressure that they were able to bring. I mean, they, they were in the backfield from the get-go, and I think that really affected, that affected not only uh, plays and how ineffective they were for Oklahoma State's offense, but I think it also affected Psyche. I mean, even um, when you saw Illingworth come in there, I mean, I, obviously he's not anywhere close to as mobile as Sanders, but you could just kind of sense that he, you know, was ever aware of the pressure, uh, you know, sort of coming at him. And so uh, I think that even though we didn't maybe see, um, I, I, um, I like Ronnie Perkins had, uh, a couple sacks and three tackles for loss in the first in the first half, and he only had one more tackle after halftime. So you didn't sort of see those pressure numbers maybe as much with Illingworth, but I think the impact was there regardless. I think they were affecting what OSU thought it could do, um, even when they weren't necessarily bringing, bringing the pressure like they did early. So to me, that's where it really starts. You see Isaiah Thomas, his evolution, how much better he is. You see, um, you know uh, – obviously the addition of Perkins and then just other guys evolving. And to me, that's when you talk about where the biggest difference is, I think it's up front with those guys. Yeah. And then uh, Barry shifting to the other side of the ball, uh, a, a strong game from Spencer Rattler, 17 and 24, 301 yards, four touchdowns. Um, but this offense would uh, slow down, for a lot of the second, third quarter by Oklahoma State's uh, defense, a really good Oklahoma State defense, but finally got the running game going in the fourth quarter, and that seemed to open up a lot more. Uh, and Lincoln Riley got creative once again with uh, a lot of those calls, most notably uh, Jeremiah Hall's touchdown there in the fourth quarter with the second play of the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, uh, Cowboys did a great job on Stevenson for – 43 minutes, but the last 17 minutes of the game, um, he really started getting big chunks of yardage, had two long runs, 25 and 30 yards, ended up with a monster game, 141 or whatever it was. Yeah, 141 yards rushing. uh, Gosh, what was it, 195 yards of total offense? So 
you know, he's the kind of back that can wear a team down. And, you know, OSU indicated they didn't think that's what happened, but it looked sort of like it did to me. Um, just keep they keep battering and, and eventually the dam broke. So to me, that's a very good sign that uh, the Sooners can, you know, can uh, stick with the run and have faith that it's going to, it's going to pay off uh, down the stretch. And that's, I think that's what happened today. Um, the OU passing game was not pristine in the traditional sense. Um, some, many of the big plays were, were screens and rollouts to tight ends and fullbacks. Um, didn't really get the wide receiver core going the way they usually do. But you know what? If you can get if you can get the uh, the short stuff to the uh, to the uh, other guys, then that works just as well. I thought one of the things that was maybe most impressive about Stevenson there late was it was pretty obvious that they were just willing to run some clock and put the ball in his hands. And Oklahoma State really didn't have an answer for that. Um, you know, obviously they they threw some other stuff in there as they got a little closer to the uh, to the end zone, but. You know, for him to, it, I mean, it looked by all accounts like that was their that was their plan there late, and he was still super effective. And I think it it helps too, guys. I mean, I don't know, I, I don't have Pledger's numbers in front of me right now, but um, obviously he's not he's not on Stevenson's level, but he does give you a, a speedier guy. And the fact that they're not using him as their go to, to me, that helps him be more effective as well. So to me, that's a, maybe that's an unsung part of what Stevenson brings, but you know, Pledger had seven carries for 18 yards. So not a huge game for him, obviously, but it just felt like he, you know, those times when they maybe needed him to do some things that he was a little more capable because he wasn't being asked to do everything in the running game. Yeah. And then they also used their running, used, you know, part of their passing game sort of as a running game at, at some points. I mean, heck, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, three catches, 54 yards. But, uh, you know, Jeremiah Hall gets involved, obviously, with the, the trick play. They use Braden Willis. Uh, you know, Mikey Henderson uh, might have been one of the revelations of this game. You know, we've seen really good things from Mikey Henderson. I think uh, all three of us probably expect him to be a really good player, really big-time contributor for them. Uh, down the road, but Henderson uh, was at three carries, 20 yards, uh, three catches for 61 yards, including a touchdown uh, there early. Um, so they're they're finding ways to spread the ball out and make it much more difficult to defend them. And I think that's making life easier on, on Spencer Rattler, that he doesn't have to rely on Marvin Mims or on Austin Stogner, who didn't play tonight. On Theo Weiss, he can, uh, you know, find a variety of guys, and it, it frees Lincoln Riley up uh, play calling wise to do some different things. As we saw tonight, um, you know, this isn't an offense that has a clear number one receiver. Uh, you know, Charleston Rambo hasn't become that guy. Marvin Mims has probably been their most consistently uh, good guy. Although heck, Theo Weiss is is coming on uh, more and more uh, recently. But just the diversity of this offense, I, I think, is what makes it uh, on the level, really, of all the offenses, OU offenses over the past couple years, except for the Kyler Murray offense, which was just on a, a completely different plane than anybody else. 
Yeah, it's it, it is becoming it is becoming a uh, an offense that's a worthy successor to what we've seen, and you know they it's a shame that you know the Sooners are not going to be able to take this combination of typical defense uh, typical offense with better defense to the playoff because you might have more more confidence than in years past um, but it's a it, it's come a long way offensively since uh, what we saw k-state and Iowa State about those back-to-back weeks six seven weeks ago so uh, Rattler's getting really good and um, Big 12 is going to have to deal with him the rest of this year and next year in which he's going to be, you know, the, the Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts uh, 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 line of succession that's just produces great quarterbacking at Oklahoma. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump out there and say uh, Barry's wrong about the playoff thing, but I do think it's going to be interesting to see where the Sooners land in the first playoff ranking on Tuesday night. Um, you know, if they if they make the if they make the title game, they'll likely play Iowa State, who's going to be you know fairly highly ranked by all accounts. I would think. I mean, there's another potential top fifteen, top ten type of win that they can add to the resume. You know, I don't know. I mean, this is a weird year, and I I just I, you know again, I'm not I'm not saying that they have some sort of leg up to get into the playoff, but I do think it's going to be interesting to see where they land right now because you know if they keep I mean they they beat a team that you know top 15 team they brutalized them tonight so you know that's a that's a huge feather in their cap they keep beating teams like this and there's not any reason to think they won't win their next few games this way it's it it's just going to be I'm just curious to see where they land in those first rankings yeah it will be interesting to see that and I'm actually here we're talking uh, just shy of uh, 30 minutes after midnight uh, after the game, I'm starting to put together my top 25. I've got, I had OSU higher than uh, a lot of people did. I had OSU at number 11. I had OU at number 14 coming into this game. But, you know, looking at it, especially with uh, uh, some of the other results that we saw today, you know, I, I think I'm probably going to have OU in that 10 range. And if you're in the top 10 or, or close to it, uh, going into the first playoff rankings, you've at least got a chance. Not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but if things broke right, it could. I mean, and heck, it, you know, some of the teams ahead of them, uh, you know, we're talking, you know, BYU is is going to be ahead of them in, in my top 25. Uh, Northwestern probably with t- today's result, even though I had Northwestern way down at 22, Will, because of their overall resume. But uh, the Sooners certainly are, are playing much, much better uh, than they were in early October, which is why, uh, Jenny, we heard Lincoln Riley after the game say, you know, I wish this team had 10 more games to go because he's, uh, he's not ready to, to stop with this team the way that they've uh, improved uh, over the last few weeks. Yeah, and it's that's exactly right. You know, the the fact that they sort of don't have a, a longer runway to make a statement uh, about, you know, if they do belong in the playoff, um, you know, and it, it, again, going back to the, to the playoff committee, you know, 
Oklahoma didn't have, um, you know, it's not like we heard, uh, who was it today that was playing with less than the 53 players? Mississippi, Somebody, Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. I mean, we don't, there's been no, there's those losses they had. It wasn't like they were playing shorthanded. They, it wasn't like they were playing without their starting quarterback or something. So, you know, they can't, they can't, the committee's not going to be looking at them that way, but they, they had, you know, they did have some COVID issues, missing a lot of guys out of practice. They did have the suspensions of two guys that now look like the best offensive and defensive players that they have. So, you know, it, I, I, again, I'm curious. I don't know what the answer is, but I think that, you know, the committee always says that part of the reason that they have a group of people is so that they can look at these things, that it's not just a, a computer formula. So when they look at all of that, what are they going to do with it? I don't have any idea. I'm, I'm, but I'm very curious to find out on Tuesday. Yeah, it'll, it'll problem. OU's playoff problem this year is, in years past, you know they lose that game early and climb their way up, and it looks it looks a little bleak, you know, the first time the rankings come out. But the truth has always been for all these four or five years is, you know, if two or three things go the right way, the Sooners, you know, probably going to be in. It's now about five or six things need to go their way. That could still happen, but when you double the, when you double the things you need, you really minimize your chances, and that's sort of where the Sooners are today. Today was not a good day for the playoff on a, on a two-loss team getting in. Cincinnati uh, had a nice win in Central Florida. I tend to think an unbeaten Cincinnati will make would make the playoff over a, a two-loss Oklahoma. The uh, the SEC still has uh, three contenders. The ACC has two. The Big Ten has two. Oregon could win out. So just they need a lot more help than usual. But it is as you guys mentioned, it's COVID. Anything could happen. Yeah, and I think certainly say if. Uh, you know, the Big Ten has some trip-ups along the way and, and their champion has a loss, do you look at that conference much differently because they only played, uh, you know, a much abbreviated schedule? Same thing in the Pac-12, say, if, uh, if Oregon were to win it with, with one loss, I think it'd be, uh, be certainly a, a conversation to be had about overall resumes and and things like that. But it's going to be really interesting to see on Tuesday how the committee sizes those things up at this point, and we can get some insight on, you know, what they're going to be thinking uh, long-term. But wanted to touch on a couple of quick things here before we wrap it up. And, uh, Jenny, the the first one was about something uh, Lincoln Riley said after the game when he was talking about, uh, de- being the de- defending Big 12 champions, and he said, we don't feel like we're defending anything. We're, uh, you know, we came into this game wanting to be the, the hunter and not the hunted. Uh, and, and then it seemed to take maybe a, a little bit of a shot at Mike Gundy when he said, you can't be, uh, what it, what it, I'm trying to think of the word, he said, you can't be passive uh, in a game uh, like this, he said, "You can't play a game against a big time opponent and be conservative." But uh, you know, certainly we saw an instance there uh, late where Mike Gundy had a chance to go for it, decided to punt. Looked like it might have been a good decision when they pinned uh, the Sooners at the one. Uh, 
And then Ramondre Stevenson starts doing Ramondre Stevenson things. And a few plays later, OU scores 99 yards of the other way. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think in, uh, you know, from OSU's perspective, you know, they're playing with a uh, beleaguered offensive line that's been hurt and been, you know, scrambled. And then they lose Tevin Jenkins and then they lose their quarterback. I mean, that's a, that's a setup for a script we've seen Oklahoma State play to um, before this year and go more vanilla offensively and try to see if the defense can win the game. Unfortunately, at that point, they'd already spotted OU, you know, three touchdowns. So it wasn't, it wasn't something that, that ultimately worked today. But from that perspective, I think a, a more conservative approach was sort of almost necessary a little bit just because of personnel. But yeah, that punt late was, I mean, I don't, that just, that seemed like that was just a, a give up move in a lot of ways. And, and uh, I know that you, I know if you're in that position, you know, you say, okay, defense, go out there and get us to stop. I get that. But at that point you're fighting, you know, you got to get three scores. You got to score and you, you're not, you're not going to, you're likely not going to do that unless your offense is out there. So I thought that was a, I thought that was a, a peculiar move. I know Barry wrote a little bit about it in his report card, but I did not like that very much, uh, that decision to, to go ahead and punt at that point. Yeah, it was really indefensible. It's one thing, if you're on your own 30, they're on the OU 39-yard line, crying out loud. You know, um, the best-case scenario was not, was not good enough. They got the best-case scenario, which is – uh, you know, down at the one-yard line, it still was, you know, uh, an indefensible. So, yeah, it's uh, – but here, here's the truth, man. Mike Gundy said it best when he first popped on the Zoom screen night. He said, uh, better team won. And it's pretty clear that uh, the Sooners were, were the better team. Yeah, I don't uh, – it, it certainly was. And then, Barry, uh, the other thing I wanted to address was uh, – the penalty on Brendan Radley Hiles there late in the first quarter, obviously OU wins uh, pretty handily. Didn't wind up being a massive deal, but at the time it looks like, well, it did keep OSU in the game for much longer uh, than they likely would have been otherwise. And, and just a ridiculous penalty there for Radley Hiles to uh, a, a taunt. Uh, who was it on that play? Dylan Stoner. Stoner. Dylan mm-hmm. Stoner uh, there. Uh, after you had gotten a third down stop in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's idiotic. And, and he actually did it twice. I mean, he did it, he did it again. And the ref didn't throw the flag the first time. I'm, I don't mean on separate plays. I mean, on that play, it's almost like he was pointing the finger and the, the uh, it's almost like the ref may have hollered at him or something, said to cut that out, and then he didn't cut it out, and here came the flag. So – you know, I didn't hear it. You you wrote about it, I think, Bobby Abair. You said Kirk Herbstreit was fairly fairly demonstrative about his disgust with the play. Um, I don't know why he keeps doing it, um, but you know, it's something he's been doing for a long time. You know, it, it, this was a this was turned into a one sided game. But you do that in a in a game that you know, one possession game or a critical game. I mean, that's that's not good. That's not good at all. Hey, seven penalties by OU tonight. All of them were defensive, and all of them led to first downs. So you know, just like 
And and some of it, I mean, okay, defensive pass interference or holding or whatever, if you're trying to figure out how to slow down Tylen Wallace, like, okay, sometimes that's going to happen. But, like, hitting Chuba Hubbard when he's already out of bounds and you get 15 extra yards on his one big run of the night, you know, and then obviously the Radley Hiles penalty. It was just, uh, to me, those are the sorts of things that, that didn't bite him tonight, but don't do that. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that if you're, you're really serious about, you know, taking that next step and, you know, and, and getting back to Arlington, playing for a Big 12 title, winning the Big 12 title again, like you got to get yourself in a mentality where that stuff doesn't happen. You you don't you don't hurt yourself that way. And they did. They get and Ryan, what you said earlier about you know allowing OSU to maybe stay in the game longer than they would have otherwise. I mean, to me, that's what those penalties in in a collective added up to tonight. Yeah, and that's something that OU had been really good about in recent weeks. They struggled with it early in the season, especially in those losses, those head scratching penalties. Um, but they've been really good in, in that regard. But that is one of the things that, yeah, it didn't hurt them tonight, but certainly you need to clean it up, especially if you want to, uh, you know, uh, potentially beat a team that beat you in the Big 12 title game if it winds up being OU and, and Iowa State. And, uh, uh, you know, certainly beyond that, whether the miracle playoff happens or, you know, more likely scenario, they go to uh, a, a bowl game and, uh, play another really good opponent. So they've got to figure that out uh, for sure. But we're going to wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra podcast. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week from Morgantown, West Virginia. Barry and I will be out there uh, in, a, in another really big game for the Sooners against another really good uh, defensive team. We'll see if the Sooners are able to keep their winning streak going. But uh, until then, you can check our work every day at Oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage in